We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5. And we're going to be beginning at verse 13 this morning. And this is what it says. You are the salt of the earth, but if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. Let's pray together this morning. Father God, we thank you and praise you for your words. We thank you for the way that your word speaks to us when we read it, the way it challenges us. And Lord God, as we open up these passages together this morning, we ask, Lord Jesus, that in everything, in the midst of all of the things which are going on in our lives right now, in the midst of all the busyness and the thoughts and the things which are rushing through our heads, may we just stop and hear your voice speak to us today. Come, Lord Jesus, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you can remember where you were on the 7th of July 2005. I was working for London City Mission at the time. I was living up in Tottenham, but every single Thursday I would have to go into central London to take part in a theological course that I was doing at the time. This particular course finished a week before the 7th of July 2005 and I'm so glad that it did because had it not I would have been traveling through Liverpool Street Station right in the epicenter of everything which was going on in London when the bombs went off on the tube on that morning. I remember going out that evening and just walking along the high street in Tottenham it was eerily quiet there was no one about People were shocked and they were horrified by what had taken place earlier that day. And as a result, the businesses were closed up. No one was venturing onto the streets. I remember going on the tube the following day. I remember the fear and trepidation that I had stepping foot on a tube train 24 hours or so after those bombings took place. Doing something which was just so normal to have been done a couple of days before felt so strange and so surreal now because of the shock of everything that had happened. The truth is, there are events probably etched on all of our minds which are marked in history, that we can remember where we were at certain points as a result of certain events happening in this world. I'm sure those of us who are old enough in this room to remember what happened in 2001 with the September the 11th attacks can probably remember where we were the exact moment we heard about what happened at the World Trade Center. And many other events like that really show the depths of depravity of humanity right throughout history. But our issue is that even those who are here in this room and watching online today who would call ourselves Christians, our issue is that at times we simply grow accustomed to the darkness of this world that we find ourselves in. 
Just like at night time, where maybe you might get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom, you kind of get up and then you find yourself scrambling about for a little bit because you can't quite see, and then your eyes become accustomed to your surroundings, and you have just enough light as a result of it to be able to make your way to where you need to go. Our newspapers and our TVs are so full of stories about how dark this world is that we live in that we simply become desensitized at times to what is going on. I mean, it's not as if we don't care. We do care when we see the suffering of humanity around this world, but we've simply learned to live with it at times. And the challenge that we see from our passage today is that the challenge for us as Christians and us as the church of Jesus Christ here in this dark world is to live in such a way that our light shines in such a way that the world around us is never quite the same again for the right reasons. As you're aware, if you've been with us for the past few weeks as a church, we have been thinking about who we are as a church, looking at our vision and our values and where God is calling us to go. We believe here that God is calling us to be a belonging church, where everyone is welcome to come into our doors and hear the gospel for themselves, that they might find a home here at Hope Baptist Church. We believe that God is calling us to be a believing people, that whatever happens in this world and whatever we go through at times in this world, that our roots are so deep in Christ that we can withstand the storms of life no matter what might come our way. We believe that God is calling us to be a serving church because Jesus Christ, the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, the one who left his throne in glory and took on the form of a servant, did not come to be served but to serve. And we believe as a result of that we all have a part to play in the kingdom of God, that we are never more like Christ than when we find ourselves serving others. And that brings me today to the fourth vision points that we've been talking about over the course of this series. Because here's the thing, serving on its own is not enough. The world is full of good people who do good things for others. The world is full of kind-hearted people who serve because they want to help others. But what we see in scripture is that there is something distinctive about the way the Christian goes about his business or her business and the way that we are called to serve. You see, we're not simply called to serve others in order to be nice or to make someone's life a little bit more comfortable, though those things are never bad and we should aim to make people's lives physically better. But the impact that we are called to have on the streets around us as a church, on the city in which we live, on the nation that which we're part of, even on the world in which we inhabit is that we're called to make an eternal impact because that's what Jesus Christ has done for us. And that's where we pick up this message today. What we have heard read so far as we've opened up this scripture is part of a famous passage in scripture which is known as the Sermon on the Mount. In the previous verses, which are known as the Beatitudes, Jesus has given this announcement of what the nature of the kingdom of God will look like and what it means to have life in that kingdom. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, blessed are those who mourn, blessed are the meek, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, blessed are the merciful, blessed are the pure in heart, and so on. But here, Jesus makes a statement about the impact that his disciples, and indeed the church, 
is to have in such a world, with really two piercing metaphors. He says, you are the salt of the earth. We touched on that a little bit last week, this idea of salt changing the flavor of where we are, and we likened it to how Jesus calls us to live. But where I want to focus our time together this morning is really on this second metaphor, where Jesus says, you are the light of the world. And when Jesus makes this statement, the Greek word that he uses here for light is the word phos. And this word phos is really where we get our word photograph from. Do you see what Jesus is saying here, therefore? In John chapter 8 and verse 12, Jesus says about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. And here in Matthew chapter 5, he is saying to his disciples, and therefore indeed the church, you are the light of the world. You are the foss. You are the photograph of me to a world that is in such desperate need. You are the ones who are going to change the flavor of this world because I have placed you in a place to reveal who I am and therefore have the deepest needs of humanity met. What a statement that is. That's why impacting for us is so important as a church. Jesus has not called us together to have a holy huddle. We're not simply meeting on a Sunday just to have a nice time and then go about our week. Jesus calls us together that we might then go out and impact the work that we do, the streets in which we live, the people that we mingle with. We want people to come to know Jesus for themselves. So what does it mean then? For us to be the light of the world that Jesus calls us to be. Well, first and foremost, let's remind ourselves of what light actually does. Light reveals things. Ephesians 5 and verse 13 says this, But everything exposed by the light becomes visible. For everything that is illuminated becomes a light itself. Nothing can remain hidden when light is about. And it's that very light which highlights our state in front of an awesome and a holy God. There's this story in scripture, we touched on it a little bit at Josh's baptism a couple of weeks ago. I'm sure you remember the story of a man named Peter. Peter was a fisherman. And before he became a disciple of Jesus, he went out fishing one night and he was fishing all night long. And as he was fishing, he caught absolutely nothing. And he comes back that morning dejected and he's putting his nets away and cleaning everything up. And Jesus comes along and Jesus says to Peter, hey, let's go fishing. And Peter says, all right, because you've said so, we'll go fishing. And you know the story, I'm sure, Peter goes fishing that morning with Jesus and he catches this miraculous catch of fish. And when he does so, he looks at Jesus and suddenly he realizes who he is. And he says this, when Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. You see, as a result of being close to Jesus, Peter catches this glimpse of who Jesus was and therefore the revelation of who he actually is as a result of that. And that's the role of the church. We are called to take Jesus to a world which is dying 
and a world which is in such desperate need. And in doing so, we reveal the need of Jesus to a world that doesn't know their need for him. What else does light do? Well, light promotes life. John 1 and verse 4 says this, In him was life, and that, light, that life was the light of all mankind. The simple fact is that with the exception of a very, very few things on this, this planet, most living creatures need light to survive. And in this world full of darkness, it's the role of the church to provide the light of Jesus in order that people might live. Light also awakens, doesn't it? Ephesians 5.14 says, Wake up, O sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. We live in a world which is in spiritual slumber. There's so much going on in this world right now, in a world that has so much need, whether that's because of war or economic crisis or the cost of living or something else, that it's so easy for our minds to be so preoccupied with everything which is going on around us that we miss what we actually need as a result. The church has this role and a part to play in dealing with those material things for sure. It's good and it's right for us as a church to be at the forefront of making people's lives better and helping people have a better society. We are called as the church to stand up for injustice, to help the poor and the marginalized. But here's the thing, unless we're pointing people to an eternal hope, we've actually missed the mark. The vast majority of the world in which we are part of is sleepwalking into an eternity apart from God. And therefore, it's up to us as the light of the world who have been tasked with this role of waking up the world to be the church that Jesus calls us to be. We're called to be the photograph of Christ which shows people a better way. So what does our passage today therefore teach us? about how we're called to impact this world in Jesus' name. Well, let's read it again and remind ourselves what Jesus says. He says, You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on a stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. The very first thing that we learn from what Jesus teaches us about what we're called to do and how we're called to act is that we, as the church, as the light of the world, are called to be visible. The city that Jesus is probably referring to here when he compares his disciples to a city on a hill is probably Jerusalem, which is, sits on Mount Zion, it's a holy city which was considered to be the light of the world. Now, in some ways, whether it was Jerusalem or another city that Jesus is referring to here is not the point. But the point that he is making is that his disciples have this totally and utterly life-changing and life-altering message. Because of that, they cannot hide away. 
If we believe that the gospel is true, then we believe that there is too much at stake for us to simply play church. We have to believe that we cannot simply get wrapped up in the talk of what kind of songs that we sing on a Sunday morning or the style of the service or what we actually do. We have to realize that it is the gospel And if that's true, and it changes people's lives, then some people's lives hang in the balance as a result of not knowing Jesus. That really no amount of right or wrong decisions which the government make or rulers make will ever really truly deal with the core issues of humanity. And that really the message that we possess is so life transformational that whatever life throws a person's way If they know Jesus, they can have hope in the midst of it. As Jesus' disciples, we are called to be the light of the world. We cannot hide because our lives are meant to be a living testimony of the transformational power which has changed us. And that brings us to the second point that we are called to do and how we are called to live. If we are to be the light of the world, then we must be effective. A lamp in a typical Palestinian home, was this kind of partially closed reservoir of clay, something like a picture that I'm hoping Steve is going to put up on the screen for us now. It had this hole in the top where oil was poured into, and it had a spout at the end of it, which a wick was set, and where light would come from. It was a small lamp, and this kind of lamp really only gave off a modest kind of light. So in order for a lamp like this to be effective, it had to be put on a lampstand. You can take the picture away now, Steve. Thanks for that. But because of a Jewish home and the way a Jewish home was set up, Jewish homes were very modest and they probably normally only had one room in there. When this kind of lamp was put and placed on a lampstand, it gave light to the whole house. And I love that image. Because you see what that means for us as a church. It doesn't actually matter how big our congregation is. It doesn't actually matter how much money that we have in the bank. It doesn't matter how much resource we have. It doesn't matter how many staff that we employ. If we are willing to be bold, if we are willing to put ourselves out there, if we are willing to do what we can to make Jesus known, then we will be effective because we are positioned correctly for Jesus to use us and do only what he can do through us. For me, it has echoes of Acts chapter 2. I'm sure you know the story in Acts chapter 2 where there are 120 people gathered together in an upper room praying. And when they're praying, the Holy Spirit comes upon them in the most powerful way. The walls begin to shake. There's a wind that rushes through the building. Tongues of fire rest upon their heads. And what happens? They then go out onto the streets proclaiming boldly, the truth of Jesus, to everyone who will listen. People hear in their own language about the gospel. And those 120 people who gathered in that upper room, they weren't anything special. They had no theology degrees among them. They hadn't even been particularly courageous in the past. Peter, who was the ringleader of this group, just a few weeks earlier, was calling down curses upon himself, saying, I've never even met Jesus. But here, in Acts chapter 2, they're positioned to be effective. They did what Jesus called them to do. He simply called them to wait in Jerusalem 
until they received the Holy Spirit. They were positioned to do what God had called them to do, and therefore they were effective in doing what God had called them to do. I wonder, personally, what does it mean for you and for me to make our faith visible right now? I wonder if we're honest, if we look at our lives, is our faith effective right now? Do your colleagues, do your friends, do your family know that you're a Christian? When was the last time, I wonder, you shared your faith with someone? Does your faith impact the way that you speak to people, the way that you behave and how you live your life? I don't ask these questions to offend or to make anyone feel guilty, because let's face it, if we're being honest, the truth is we all could do better in this. I ask this to provoke something that we might see what God might be calling us to do right now. That we might see where God is calling us to be positioned right now in order to be the most effective version of ourselves for him. Where is that lampstand for you that God is calling you to be on right now? Where is the boldness that God is calling you to show in the midst of your own walk right now? now? Is there someone that God has laid on your heart that you've been thinking and praying about for a while that you know you need to share your faith with? Is there a ministry, I wonder, that God is calling you to get involved in in order to make him known? Is there a a people group or a demographic that God is calling you to actively pray for right now? Where is it that God is calling you to be the most effective? And that brings me to the third point. We need to be visible. We need to be effective. And thirdly, we need to be a people who are reflective. If Jesus here in this passage is saying that you are the light of the world, and in John, as we heard earlier, he says, I am the light of the world. How is that so? Are there two lights of the world? I think the answer to that question is no, there are not two lights. But just like we were talking about with the photograph, when we look up in the night sky, and we see in the night sky the moon shining bright, It's very easy for us to forget at times that when we see the moon, that the moon is not actually shining at all. The moon is simply being a reflection of the sun's light. Without the sun, there is no moonlight. And that's why and who we are called to be as the light of the world. And that's why our passage finishes with these words. In the same way, let your light shine before others that people might see your good deeds and glorify Not you, but your Father in heaven. You see, when we reflect Jesus in word and deed, we become a a reflection of the kingdom reality which is to come here on earth. So what are the implications then for us? Scripture teaches us that as Christians, we should be a people who meet together regularly for support, for encouragement, for worship, for training. But to be salt and to be light, we must go out into the world and meet people where they are at. And our vision here at Hope to be an impacting church is that people come to church and that we are equipped and we're confident to shine on the front lines that God has placed us during the week, wherever that might be for you. If our life is played out mostly beyond these walls of this church, what does it mean to be a church which impacts in our daily lives and those around us. And over the coming months, we're going to be focusing together on what it means for us to do that better in order that we might be discipled ourselves and therefore disciple others on their journey too. If we're going to be salt and light in this world, 
We need to know what makes us different from the world. We must be a people who speak the truth of the gospel to those who don't know it. And we must live it out by our actions too. And the fact of the matter is, church, when we talk about this stuff, it's hard, isn't it? We look at this and we think this is totally and utterly beyond me. And the natural tendency for us at times is to allow our light to grow dim and to withdraw and to not do anything as a result of that. And that's why, as a church here at Hope, part of our wider strategy to become more impactful is that we're going to be setting up in the new year this idea of intentional friendships here at the church. We want to encourage the church to walk this journey, not just simply as a big church together on a Sunday, not simply as a small church together in community groups and life groups where we're meeting in the weekly basis, but actually with the ones and twos walking alongside one another to help each other, to encourage one another, to spur one another on, to live the life that Jesus Christ calls us to live. You know, when we do this and we get it right, when we understand who God is and who we are as a result of that, when we realize who Jesus has called us to be, the light of the world, realizing there's nothing special about us, but it's through his power through us that he enables us to do this, when we position ourselves where God wants us to be, that is when we will ultimately be effective. Church, the encouragement this morning is really simple. Is your light shining for Christ right now? Is our light as a church shining for Christ right now? If not, God's mercy is in you every morning. There is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Maybe you're here today, you're feeling far away from God, and you, this, this talk about being bold to share Christ with other people thinks, feels like a million miles away from where you actually are. But this morning, I believe God wants to say to you, let's start again, let's go again, let's take baby steps, because I have called you and commissioned you to be a light in this dark world. I say it often, but I don't know about you, I often look back to my conversion. And I remember how excited I was when I came to know Jesus for myself. I remember how much I wanted to see this world changed and people come to know Jesus and, and, and for me to play a part in that. But what I realized over time is that life got in the way. The knocks of life, the disappointments that came along the journey at times made my light grow dim. We need each other to walk this journey together. If we're going to be impactful as a church, we have to do it together. Meeting together regularly, encouraging and challenging one another on a daily basis. And then we will see, I believe, Peveril, this city, this nation, this world, changed in Jesus' name. Let's pray together. Father God, I want to thank you and praise you that you call us to be part of your story. I want to thank you for the privilege that though you don't need us, you choose to use us. That though you could do it all on your own, you invite us into your story. And Lord God, this morning we ask for forgiveness for the times where we have allowed our light to grow dim because we've chosen maybe actively to walk away or maybe we have just allowed ourselves 
step by step, day by day, just to take a step away from you. And now we find ourselves quite far from you. Lord, I pray in this room this morning and for those watching online today, that, Lord, a holy excitement might begin to rise in our hearts again. That we might be excited to the mission that you have called us to be a part of. That, Lord, we might be encouraged by the idea of sharing our faith with those that we come into contact with. And Lord, we pray that it won't just be an awkward thing, that, Lord, our faith will become so infectious in our lives that we can't help but gossip the gospel to those that we come into contact with. Lord, we long to see this society become a better place too. And we think of some of the ministries that we're involved in, Soup Run and Gift of Hope and all of these kind of things. And we pray, Lord God, for genuine impact in the lives of people throughout what we do. And Lord God, I pray for divine appointments and divine encounters when we're meeting with people in these capacities. That we might not just give them physical foods, but they might leave with the spiritual food, the bread of life, the one who changes life totally and utterly transforms. Lord, we thank you, Jesus, for the way that you have done that in our life. Come, Lord Jesus, right now, I pray. Come, Holy Spirit, as we meet in this place. May you meet with your people this morning. I'm going to invite the bands back up.